All right. Well, good evening, Shine family. If you want to make your way back to your seats, we're going to go ahead and uh, get on with the next uh, section of our time together. But don't worry. You can continue the hanging out immediately after. We encourage that sort of thing. So, uh, hey, if you are with us for the very first time this weekend, we just want to extend an extra special welcome to you. We're just so glad. I uh, hope you're glad to be here. Uh, we're glad you're here, and we believe you're going to be glad that you came uh, by the time the service is over, if you're not already. But thank you so much for being with us. Um, after the service, if you wouldn't mind coming through those doors, immediately to the right is a little place we call The Hub, and there's um, we'd love to answer any questions you might have, get you a free specialty drink at our coffee bar, and another gift uh, in addition to that, and just uh, thank you in person for being with us. So please do come and see us. Uh, for those of you that might already be part of this Shine family but haven't entered your information in for our new database, you can go to the Hub and do that as well using the iPad there, and we can help you with that process. Um, a couple of other things. Man, house parties. How many of you guys went to a house party this last weekend? Man, I'll tell you what, it was so much fun. We had three open houses, and we had more than 100 people go through those and uh, just just have a great time of getting to know each other, and uh, we just so much enjoyed having you in our home. It was one of the homes. Um, so I want to encourage you, if you missed that one, don't worry. Save the date. The next one is October 7th, coming up in uh, three weekends, and so, or three or two? Anyway, whatever. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not the business pastor. Don't worry. I'm not the one who's counting the offerings. Uh, but anyway, we'd love to have you at that one. We'll have some other houses and more people to, uh, to get to know and you know, be nosy and find out what their houses are like and all that good stuff. So save the day, October 7th. Uh, also, ladies, Bible studies. Incredible momentum around that. Any ladies in the house? Wow, normally you get like this, you know, anyway. Okay. It's okay. Every service is different. Uh, so yeah, ladies, any ladies in the house? better. Okay. Uh, incredible momentum. More than 50 ladies signed up for our ladies' Bible studies. That's, I don't know what percentage. Again, I'm not a mathematician, but it's amazing. And uh, just getting ready. Those are kicking off already this week, but it's not too late. So if you go to uh, shinechurch.life slash groups, shinechurch.life slash groups, you can find the studies that are there and click to register for those and get all the information that you want for those. Uh, also, Want to uh, make an announcement? We are going to be switching things up here on the weekends. It may not affect some of you because this is the Saturday night crowd, uh, but this is our sixth weekend in. We had um, scheduled three services, one the Saturday 5 o'clock and then 9 and 11 a.m. Uh, to make room for the well-wishers and folks that you know would be coming and kind of helping us get started. We believe that we're going to be able to fit the people that we have into two services. It's going to be a little packed on Sundays, so you know, come a little bit early if you like to have that favorite spot. 
um, in the sanctuary. Uh, but we're going to be switching that up starting October 7th as well, So, or that weekend of October 6th and 7th. So just make a note of that. It'll be 1.10 a.m. service instead of a 9 and an 11. Uh, also, uh, prayer team, if you're interested in being a part of, uh, is it awesome when God moves in the service? Does anybody else like, feel like, you know what, I like to meet with the living God that's not always scripted and predictable, like he can, has a mind of his own kind of thing? You know, it's awesome, and his mind is good. He loves us, and uh, that kind of thing, we want people that are equipped and trained to pray for others and to just really be able to, to help uh, with, with what God is wanting to do in our services. We're going to have some training in October for that, and so if that is something that kind of strikes a chord in your heart, again, go to the hub through those doors, and you can get information about that. Last but not least comes what every pastor does when he gets lost and doesn't remember where he's at. You receive an offering. Um, it's just messing. But, <laughs> but anyway, we do want to let you know how to be a part of things financially here. It is an important aspect of our worship. We can't move forward and accomplish what God has called us to do without it. Um, so how you can be a part of that, you can go to our website, shinechurch.life, and uh, give that way. You can text the number that you want to give to 84321, or you can use the boxes that we have mounted on the walls. But let's take a moment to pray together. Father, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that you are the shepherd who picked up our broken pieces, who loves even the most unlovable aspects of our lives. And Lord, we praise you and thank you for your mercy and your kindness to us. And God, we want to give back to you out of the overflow that you have poured into our lives. So Lord, we pray that we would bring our very first and our very best to you just as an act of worship, trusting you with all that we are. God, may all the purposes of your heart go forward through this church and through your church in this area and to the ends of the earth. We thank you for it. Open our hearts to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, wow, that was, that was fun. Um, I, just during worship, just there was something in, in my heart that was just stern. I really want to see that take place in this, in this church more and more. Um, I think there's just such life in that when somebody shares something that just really penetrates into somebody's heart. DJ comes up, gives a word. Obviously, I, I still couldn't get away from it, so I had Angela come up. And she gave that word, and then I'm during greeting time, I have somebody else come up and go, man, I was going to get up and give the exact same thing. Um, and so I just want you to know, God is trying to do something right now. He loves you. He loves you. It doesn't matter where you're at, what you're struggling with. Man, he loves you. He cares for you. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I um, just love the, the fact that we can facilitate that in, in a in an atmosphere like this. Hopefully, it's very encouraging for you and you leave here just even from that. Um, but, I mean, we could just pray and end, but I have a message I prepared, so I'm going to share it. So I'm just going <laughs> to... Um, let's just pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your kindness. And God, I pray that um, this message would come from that place. Holy Spirit, use me. Communicate your heart. Um, your message as we begin to talk about empowerment, we talk about your Holy Spirit and how um, he wants to give us power to do great and mighty things. God, I pray that you would give us open hearts to receive it. Um, God, help us to truly maybe understand things better than we ever have. Um, just as you've done this week in my heart and through the study, you've just even uh, broadened my understanding um, and insight in regards to the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would do that as I communicate what I feel like you've shared with me. And God, we just open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. And we thank you for that in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in a series called Four Pillars. We're talking about the things that Shine Church is going to be built on. Last week, Pastor DJ did an incredible job finishing up um, the multiply pillar. And just to make sure everybody's on the same page, we are going from uh, the end to the beginning, starting with the end in mind. Ultimately, multiplication and reproduction is the goal for every believer as we become disciples in him. But in order to actually uh, be used to reproduce or to multiply, we actually have to understand something before that. And that is that uh, we need to understand that God wants to empower us to do these things. And so one of the things that um, Kim and I really felt strongly as we were praying for the start of this church was that, um, you know, we could talk about God's love and we could 
talk about how much um, we want you to engage with him and with other people. Uh, but if we don't are a church that begins to embrace and understand that he wants to use us, then we really are going to be just a, a group of people that doesn't really go beyond the four walls here. Um, and we'll have great fellowship. We'll have great community in here. And that's awesome. Love that. But there is an understanding that God wants to empower us to do things um, for his kingdom so that we can then multiply and so we can rep reproduce and, and bring others to the understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so that's what I want to focus about this week uh, is empowerment. And so I'm just going to start with a discussion question. And so here's the question. When I say the word empower, what comes to mind? Backing. What? Backing. backing. Go into that a little bit. What do you mean backing? Someone, an organization, or maybe even a force that's behind you, backing you. Okay, that's good. Other thing that comes to mind when you think of empowerment. Strength. Strength for what? Strength to do whatever it is that we're, are the task at hand that's set in front of us. So empowerment is, means that I have the strength to do that thing. Okay, good. I love that. Other thoughts? Holy Spirit. Who said that? What do you mean, Holy Spirit? Okay. Are you on the version notes already, cheating and looking through all my stuff? No, you're not. Oh, by the way, if you want to follow along, you can go to the Bible.com, get their app. I forgot to mention that. So if you want to follow along, you, our notes are right there on that version app. Huh? That was the Holy Spirit helping me out here. Love it. Absolutely. Um, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today, absolutely. So uh, I agree. That comes to my mind. And I hope that actually when you hear the word empowerment from now on, you'll actually think about Holy Spirit in your life. What other things will come to mind when I think about empowerment? Freedom. Freedom. What do you mean by that? Okay, freedom to not only um, feel like, okay, I could do this or I can do this, but then the freedom to say, hey, I'm going to do this and step out because um, here's the truth. Anytime that God has called you to do something or God calls you to do something, the very first time you do it, it's scary. It's scary. And so I want you and I hope that you'll um, uh, take that word on. I believe empowerment has, there's a piece of freedom in that and that gives us the freedom to actually go out and do things. One of the things that... Um, uh, I read a book in, in Establishing Shine Church. One of the things that I felt like God really revealed to Kim, Kim and I, or to me in particular, was that everything that we're going to do, it's going to be an experiment. And we're going to experiment and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, then I'm going to call it out and say, hey, that experiment didn't work, so we're going to move on. Okay? So for instance, we, first weekend I get up and said, okay, we're going to have people interact with me while I'm teaching. It was an experiment. And it's going really well right now. So I'm going to keep doing that. If this experiment at some point goes, eh, it's not, there's no life in it, then I'll, then I'll pull that. But the freedom to be able to do that, to step out into those things, actually empowers us to try to do things. So that's a good word. Love that. Other thought when it comes to empowerment. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Yep. Allowing for failure. Because we don't always succeed in what we step into. You know, here's what's interesting. We understand this from a business world perspective. Um, as a matter of fact, if you had anybody get up and kind of speak from a business perspective, talking about leadership, one of the things that they would say is, hey, listen, you need to embrace the fact that you may step out and fail in something. And in the middle of that, um, you'll actually grow tremendously and you will learn. And if you fail a couple times, that actually sets you up for greater success. And what's interesting is when it comes to the things of God, there is something in me, I don't know about it for you guys, but there's something in, the, in me that is afraid to fail. I almost didn't get up here today and ask if somebody had a word because I didn't want to have no for an answer. And that was a, we haven't done that here in a long time. It was a very real possibility. Um, but I think understanding that, you know, God 
our Heavenly Father, man, he, he's okay with us to failing. I mean, if we're stepping out, he is absolutely okay with us stepping out, moving in things that we think we're calling him to, and maybe we fall on our face. You know what? He's a loving father that's going to pick us up, and he's going to go, hey, it's okay. Man, I love your heart, and here's, let me teach you in the middle of this. Let me train you in that. I love that. Failure. What else? Some, Dave, you had some. Say what? Hydrogenerator. I say empowerment. You think hydrogenerator. Is there anybody else in the room that has that thought? <laughs> Ryan, okay. Wait, we got, you two need to get together because you are going to connect. I'm just telling you that right now. Community is right here. I'm going at a hydro generator. The generator itself is huge, massive, but if it doesn't have the water to empower it, it's all right. It's empty. Okay, so a huge generator, but if you don't have water in it, it's completely ineffective. Ooh, that's good. That's really good. So many different th thoughts that are just coming in my mind about that. Um, there's so many different things that come to mind when we talk about um, empowerment. And so um, I, I posted on Facebook, and I had like 77 responses or something, and everybody had something different, and they were so good. Um, and I think probably all have a little piece of the truth to it. Um, so in my study, I looked up the word um, empower, and here's the definition. It's to give someone the authority or power to do something. To give someone the authority or power to do something. And then it goes on and says this, to make someone stronger and more confident, especially in controlling their life and claiming their rights in claiming their rights. The song that we were singing, I, man, we, we have rights that, that God wants us to understand, but so often the enemy tries to steal those things and take those things away from us. And I feel like one of the things about empowerment is when we come to understanding the first pillars that he wants to engage with us and the second one that he wants us to know who we are and, and he wants us to, understand, us to understand our identity in him, when we grab a hold of those things, we begin to realize we have certain rights because we're in the family of, of God. And because I'm a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, there's certain rights that I have. But man, if we're not empowered, we don't embrace those things. We don't walk in those things. Yes? We put a definition in the pillar on the webpage. Um, it's out there in the floor. We obviously didn't write the whole definition, but Shine's definition is this. Do what you love. Realize you have a purpose, and God wants to activate the passions and giftings he has placed in you. The Holy Spirit will give you the authority and power to do what you have been called to do with confidence and strength. With confidence and strength. Church, I want you to understand, I believe that shine is a place where you can understand who you are in Christ. And the more you understand who you are in Christ, the more you begin to realize he's got a purpose and a plan for you that he wants to empower you. Love the hydro generator because you are the hydro generator and God wants to give you the Holy Spirit to empower you to do the things that he has for you. And so I was praying for this message and felt like before I get into anything else in regards to empowerment, we need to talk about Holy Spirit and how he operates in our lives. Um, and so that, that's what I want to do. I want to break, um, break apart what I believe is uh, an ongoing experience that we can have with the Holy Spirit. Um, I put in your notes, God desires ongoing experiences with the Holy Spirit. And this manifests in one of two ways, or actually it manifests in two ways. Number one, it manifests in authority. And number two, it manifests in power. I believe that God wants us to understand that there is authority that God is giving to every single one of us who walk in relationship with him. Anybody who professes the name of Jesus Christ 
Romans 10, 9, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. In that moment of time, you are given a deposit of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that um, we are given him as a guarantee of our inheritance, a guarantee of our salvation, um, and we get all of the things that the Holy Spirit encompasses when he deposits him into our hearts. And so uh, I'll ask from time to time, how much of the Holy Spirit do you get when you call upon the name of Jesus? Okay, a little hesitant. Let's, you're right. So there's no trick question to this. How much of the Holy Spirit do you get? All of him. All of him. You get all of him. But it, what's interesting is that as I read through my Bible and I study this, not only do we get all of him, but then there appears to be an ongoing experience that we can have with him that goes on. And so let me read some scripture. Uh, there's going to be a lot of scripture because I want you to hear this from the Bible, from the word of God. So if you have your Bibles, pull it out. You can follow along with me. The first couple I'm going to read off my notes, and then I'm going to open my Bible and actually read them from there. But real quick, um, John the Baptist. Um, John the Baptist um, an angel appears actually to his parents, and uh, his, his father, Zechariah, actually um, wasn't quite sure that he believed what the angel was telling him, and so um, the angel actually began to convince him even stronger, and he said this thing in verse 15, Luke 1, 15. He said, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, even before he is born, Okay. John the Baptist, this is the first time that I've ever seen in the Bible where someone is filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. It's the first time that I've seen where the Holy Spirit is actually in somebody, okay? And the angel promises uh, John's father, the Holy Spirit will be in him even from birth. And actually, you're going to see here in just a second, he was filled uh, with Holy Spirit even from conception because a little bit later on in that story, we find out about... Um, the Holy Spirit coming to Mary and says, hey, you're going to have, you're going to have a child, and that child is going to be named Jesus. He's going to be the son of God. And uh, Mary, shortly thereafter, goes and visits Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. And it says that when Mary came into Elizabeth's presence, that the Holy Spirit actually leapt in Elizabeth's womb, which means the Holy Spirit in John recognized the Holy Spirit in Jesus and went, oh, how cool would it be to come to church and walk up to somebody and go, oh, oh, my spirit just jumped at your spirit. And I think it's supposed to be that way in fellowship. I think we're supposed to have a relationship with one another, and we're supposed to be so sensitive to our Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of us, that we actually interact and go, oh, oh, man, well, God is doing good things in you, right? And, and just begin to just live from that, that place. And so here we have the situation where Mary steps in front of Elizabeth and the babies leap in their wombs. Um, and so I don't, I'm just going to make an assumption, make sure that we're on the same page. If John the Baptist had the Holy Spirit even from birth, um, Jesus had the Holy Spirit even from birth too. Yes? Okay, I, I don't think there's any disagreement to that. If there is, see me afterwards and I'll tell you how you're wrong. <laughs> no, just, sorry, just kidding. All right, so... We have Jesus then. We're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 3, verse 22. And um, here's, here's what's happening. John the Baptist now has been preparing the way. He's been saying, hey, somebody's coming um, who I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. Um, somebody's going to be coming that uh, I baptize with water, but there's somebody that's going to come that's going to baptize you uh, in the Holy Spirit. Um, and so he's kind of preparing the way. He's pointing to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And Jesus tells uh, John, hey, I want to be baptized. And John goes, no, no, no. It is I that should be baptized by you. Jesus said, no, you need to baptize me. And so John baptizes him. And then it says this in Luke 3, 22. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And so here's something interesting that takes place. We have Jesus, who is filled with the Holy Spirit, come before John. John baptizes him, and in that moment, the Holy Spirit actually comes upon him. And so, again, my start and my point at the beginning was this. I believe that God wants us to have ongoing experiences with Holy Spirit. Because if Jesus had the Holy Spirit, 
and didn't need another ongoing experience with him, then why did God come down upon him and say those things? And I know there's all kinds of different messages. There's a message of blessing that is just amazing that can come from that. Uh, but what I want to focus on today is this. I believe that God was empowering Jesus for his ministry. Because up until that time, there's no recorded miracle or supernatural thing that Jesus did until after that moment. And it's so important that it's one of the few things that is in all four Gospels. And I think... What speaks to me in the middle of that is that in regards to being empowered in the things that God has for us, we need to have an understanding and we need to embrace the fact that God, yes, is in us because we ask Jesus, but there are times where he wants to come upon us and empower us to do things that go beyond our ability or our own um, flesh. We just can't do it in our own flesh. Now, that's Jesus. Now let's talk about the disciples. Jesus has died at this point. He has risen from the grave. He is focused and um, meeting with the disciples. John chapter 20, if you're following along with your Bible, flip over to John. Verse 21, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Talked a little bit about that last week and the fact that we are called to be sent out to multiply, reproduce. The last two weeks have been about that. And he says this, and with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. Up until this time, the disciples had just been hanging out with Jesus, learning, um, doing some pretty incredible things, seeing some incredible things. Um, Jesus then dies. They're completely confused. They abandon him. Um, then he raises from the dead. They come back together like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, God begins to pull out scripture. And they all of a sudden, their eyes are completely open to, oh, my gosh, I see you totally what is going on here. And in the middle of this, um, Jesus says, hey, listen, all of this is so that I can send you out. Again, the end game is to be sent out. But before he does that, he says, wait, I need to. I need to give you the Holy Spirit. And so he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, just again, real quick, quick question to me. If Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit and breathes on you, does it take? I thought I'd get a much more resounding. If Jesus breathes on you and says, receive the Holy Spirit, do you get the Holy Spirit? No doubts, right? At this time, the disciples are officially born again. The Holy Spirit has now been breathed and deposited into them. He now lives in them from that moment. Jesus has breathed on them. But then something very interesting happens just a few days later. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus says this. On one occasion, while he was seated with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now, we all know that Jesus said it is better that I go because you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. I, we are all, I mean, I think it's pretty easy, a safe assumption to say what he's talking about is the gift of the Holy Spirit here. And he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the first thought, well, maybe this was before he actually breathed on them. Okay, I could see that. But the very next verse says, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? He answers his question. And as he, or at the end of that answer, he was taking up before their very eyes. So this is one of the very last things that Jesus said, and it was after Jesus had breathed on them. So they had received the Holy Spirit, but then Jesus said, now, don't go anywhere. I know I've told you to go, but now I want you to wait. And I want you to wait until you receive the gift. Okay, so we'll flip to Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay. 
get the picture here. Jesus says, wait. So they gather together in an upper room. They're just hanging out. They're praying. As they're praying, all of a sudden, this commotion starts to happen. These tongues of fire actually appear before them and begin to land upon them. They start to speak in other tongues. There is such a, a ruckus that this creates. It is such a powerful moment that people from the city all over became aware of it and started to gather around this place. I encourage you to read the rest of Acts chapter 2 because what begins to happen is there's such a commotion that people gather around to see what is going on and they come out and they're speaking in tongues and people are listening to them from different um, languages, from different tribes, different languages, and they're hearing their language from the disciples. And some people go, man, these guys are madmen, they're drunk. Other people are like, how in the world can they be speaking my language? I know they don't know my language. And I mean, just, there's just this confusion that's going around. And Peter gets up in front of everybody and begins to teach them and begins to say, hey, listen, this is what was promised back in Joel, that his spirit would be poured out upon people and that they would prophesy, they would, they would teach, their dream, you know, dreams would be dreamed, and, and begins to just teach all of this aspect. Read Acts chapter 2 to, to get all of that. Um, what I want you to realize, though, here in the middle of this, is the disciples who had the Holy Spirit have another experience, an ongoing experience with Holy Spirit. And it's a powerful thing because people are drawn to it. People are hearing their language from people that don't actually speak that language. Okay, if that was just one time, then maybe we could go, well, that's just an isolated incident. But in Acts chapter 8, I'm going to pick up the story um, in verse 14. Um, is this good so far? Okay. Um, if anybody's bored, I'll change. I'm just, just kidding. I, and you know what? Here's funny. When, when we're talking about Holy Spirit, I don't think anybody gets bored. They're like, oh, okay. What, where's he going with this? Yeah, <laughs> that's probably what a lot of people think. Where are you going with this? All right. Jesus told the disciples, I'm going to send you. I want you to go from Jerusalem to Judea, Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And in chapter 8, we are actually picking up the story where they have moved beyond Jerusalem and Judea, and they're actually in Samaria now. And we're picking up the story in verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay. If they had been baptized into the name of Jesus... Baptism is a public profession of what? Of our faith. In other words, these believers in Samaria had heard the teaching from whoever was telling them, and they had received it and said, okay, I do believe in Jesus. They confessed with their mouth. They believed in their heart. They got raised from the dead. The disciples or the teachers at the time said, okay, well, great. We need to make a public profession. So they baptized them, and they had already, at that point then, been given the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Yes? Okay. So then Peter comes because they hear the good news. They go to this group of believers and they get with them and they lay hands on them and that they pray so that the Holy Spirit could come upon them. Now, here's what's interesting about this. It doesn't say that anything powerful happened at that moment, but I would submit to you that something amazing happened because very quickly right after that story, you find that Simon the sorcerer, who was really practiced in magical arts, went up to the disciples. He actually became a believer, but he was enticed by whatever happened when Peter placed his hands and the Holy Spirit came upon these people because he came up to Peter and the other disciples and said, what do I have to pay you in order to receive this gift? What money can I give to you? Because what you have just done is way more powerful than anything that I've done in all of my ability to do magic. Think about that. And this isn't just an average guy. This is somebody who is an expert in powerful illusions. 
And he sees something that's just supernatural, something incredibly powerful. And he goes, I'll pay you for this. Now, I love what Peter, he, Peter rebukes him. And thankfully, uh, at least from what I can tell, Simon repents. And he goes, oh, no, I don't want any of that to happen to me. Um, but we know something powerful happens here. Okay, now we're going to pick up to the ends of the earth. Because a couple chapters later, um, Peter has the vision where he, God basically, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but basically God says, hey, listen, um, I want you to go teach about me to the Gentiles. Now, unless you're Jewish in the room today, this was a really good thing for us. It opened the door for Gentiles to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And so while he's having this dream, um, he's told, hey, a man is coming, and I want you to go with him. And I want you to tell him about me. And this man was a Gentile. His name was Cornelius. And he uh, was told by God to send people for Peter. So he sends for Peter. Peter goes with him. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 44. Peter goes into the house with um, the people that uh, Cornelius had gathered around. <clears throat> and in verse 44, it says this. While Peter was still speaking these words, what words? The words about Jesus Christ. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He's sharing about the good news of what Jesus has done for all of us. He's telling them that. And while he was speaking the words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter. Now, I love this. The circumcised, so in other words, the Jewish believers that had come with Peter, okay, the Jewish believers, they were astonished. Think about that word, astonished. They were blown away. They're like, oh my gosh, look what's going on. And what were they astonished by? That the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that the they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I, lo I love this portion of it because basically what happens here is Peter is communicating the good news of Jesus Christ. These people haven't had a chance to confess yet or believe in their heart, but as he's teaching, they, they're receiving it. Holy Spirit comes upon them. They start speaking in powerful ways. They start speaking in tongues. The, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to be enabled in these people, so much so that the Jewish people are astonished that this is happening. And Peter goes, okay, well, the Holy Spirit has come upon them. We better get them saved. Uh, seriously. So he goes, hey, okay, Holy Spirit's come upon them. Well, we better baptize them. Confess. Confess Jesus, Lord. And I get it. In their heart, they would believed, and that's what was happening. But again, an instance where I think we can see that there's an ongoing thing. Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 19, read through those chapters. You will see again more instances where there's an ongoing experience that we can have with Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit, church, that helps us to understand the authority and the power that God wants us to operate in. Do you understand that? It's not something I say. It's not what another man can tell you. And I realize in a world that we live in, when we're in power, we feel like somebody else has given us the authority to do something. You know, the ultimate authority is Jesus. It's our Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit. And He's the one that enables us and empowers us to do the things that we were created for. I had a really cool study time on Wednesday as I was looking up just the different words empower and empowered. And um, let me share with you just real quickly what, what kind of came out of it. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word empower or empowered is actually not often used. And as a matter of fact, it's only a few translations um, of the Bible that actually uses the word empower. Um, if you ever want to do kind of a study of the Word of God, there's a couple of really good websites. The one I used for this was Biblos, B-I-B-L-O-S dot com. And what you can do is you can put in a word and it'll bring up the different verses and then you can look at the Hebrew and the Greek. And I'm not going to bore you to death with all of those things. Um, but here's what I found. 
When it comes to the word empower or empowered, in the Old Testament, there was two uses that it was used for. The first one was more commonly translated as blessed. So for instance, would you ask the king to bless me so that I can do this? Okay, one of the translations said, would you ask the king so that he would empower me to do this? Okay, it's kind of the authority. Would you tell the king that I need the authority to be able to do this? Okay. The second use in the Old Testament had to deal with the Holy Spirit actually coming upon people, which then at that moment when he empowered them, they did great and mighty things. So the Holy Spirit would come upon people to prophesy. He would come upon people to do artistic things. He would come upon people for different various things throughout the Old Testament that was very powerful. And that's the two instances of empower in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, if you look up the word empower, you're going to get a very similar thing, which I found very interesting. I was loving this. I'm not sure if you, you are right now, but I was totally loving this as we're doing it. When you look up the word empower, it actually is translated in different words, to give, to work, to put on, to like clothe, okay? There's one, one section where it says that um, uh, we're going to be given the Holy Spirit, that Jesus was it, better that he go so that he could put on or clothe us with the Holy Spirit. Um, another one was... Um, to cast out, okay, talking about the demons. In other words, another use of the word empower was he empowered them to cast out the demons. That The word empower was to cast out, kind of to take away, to throw out, uh, other translations. Again, it all had to do with authority. It all had to do with this internal authority that you will be given. But then there was a second use of the word empower, and it had to deal with the word power, which is dunamis. And I'm sure some of you have already heard that in the Greek. But in the Greek, dunamis is that almighty power, the power to do something supernatural that goes beyond our abilities. Okay, so here I am studying this, thinking about Holy Spirit and, and how he wants to be used in our lives. And I found myself thinking this. You know, there are churches that believe in the authority that the Holy Spirit gives, and they focus on that, and they're really good at that, and they teach that really well, but that's all they teach. And then there's other churches that focus on the power of Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the, the function of those gifts. Read, you know, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read Romans and um, 1 Peter in just a minute about different giftings that we can have. And there's the focus of the power that, that comes on people. And they really good, do well with that, and they focus on that, and they don't focus on the authority too much. I want to be a place where we do a good balance of both, where we're teaching authority to you, but we're also teaching power. And that God wants to empower you in these things. But here's the problem. We get uncomfortable when we start talking about the power of Holy Spirit coming into our lives. Why do we get uncomfortable? Unknown. Unknown. It's a little scary. I said one of the first weeks, I want you to be a little bit nervous to come to church. I do. You know why? Because I want... Holy Spirit to be empowering us to do great things. So it's a little scary. Okay, why else do we get a little uncomfortable when we talk about Holy Spirit? Call the action. Call to action. Meaning that we might have to we might have to do something. You mean, Pastor Dan, God might want me to do something with what you teach on a weekend? Yep. Absolutely. Man, I hope there's something inside of you that gets excited about that. And I get it. It's scary, but yet hopefully exciting because, man, God wants to use each one of us to reach this community. What else? Why else do we get uncomfortable? We have to learn how to use 
Holy Spirit and the gifts that he has for us in a good way, not just to get consumed by the gifts. Okay, I love that. I think one of the things that we're apprehensive is when people just focus totally on the gifts, they miss the gift giver. You know, the number one reason Holy Spirit was given to us was so we could have fellowship with our Father. And when we lose sight of that, when we lose sight of the fact that the love is supposed to be there, then we can get out of balance. And I think that out of balanceness that we've seen or maybe you've just even heard about makes us uncomfortable when we start talking about Holy Spirit. Okay? Is that, sum that up okay? What else? Why do we get uncomfortable? Because we don't know who Holy Spirit is? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, you know what? It's, it's funny because um, Holy Spirit, you know what? We can comprehend Father. We get that. We get Son, Jesus. We start talking about Holy Spirit. And I, I grew up Catholic, um, and Holy Spirit was a scary ghost to me. First off, he was called Holy Ghost. Okay? Totally not good for kids, right? Do you have the Holy Ghost in you? No, no. I, I mean, there's just that apprehensive even just from hearing that. Uh, but even in the midst of that, then you don't understand who Holy Spirit is. And with that, then we become apprehensive of what we don't understand. And man, oh, that's such a bummer because Jesus said, it's better that I go so that you can receive this gift. And isn't it just like our enemy to try to get us to be apprehensive about the gift that God wants us to function fully in? Oh. Man, what else makes us apprehensive? So when you're in a denomination that maybe teaches that the Holy Spirit, and it's funny because they believe in the Holy Spirit, but it's that authority piece, the inside of us type thing, but they don't believe in the empowerment or the power, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so therefore you're taught that way. And so because you're taught that way, you become apprehensive of him and what he wants to do in life. Okay, totally agree with that. I've seen that. What else? Okay, hold on. We got to, what? Comfort zone, meaning... <laughs> God doesn't care as much about our comfort as our character. That's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, I mean, this is a real question for you. How many of you are willing to get uncomfortable to get a little bit more of God? Because, to be quite honest with you, we kind of like where we're at. We're living in a pretty good place. Even... If you're struggling financial, you are richer than most of the world. And in the midst of that, we're pretty comfortable. And if we really embrace this idea of Holy Spirit coming and empowering us to do things that he called us to do, it means we're going to have to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. Church, be okay with that. Be okay with that. Let's be a people that are okay with being stretched by God. Let's be a people that say, okay, God, use me. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm, I'm frightened in part by it, but I know you don't give me a spirit of fear, and you're going to come through, and I'm willing to go for it. Here's what I have found. Some of the best times that I've had with God is when I've allowed myself to be stretched because it's put me in a place like starting a church, it's put me in a place where I'm like, oh my gosh, God, if you don't come through. <sighs> you know what? You know what one of my number one fears was in doing all this? Was would I be able to give something every weekend? I was really good once every three months. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I was. And, and the apprehension, I told my wife, I, I almost don't want to do this because I'm not sure if I can do that in and out every weekend. And she was just so awesome. She's like, Dan, if that's your concern, we're going to be just fine because I know God's totally going to speak to you and give you something fresh manna every week. 
And it's been so good. You know what? The study times so far have been sweet and just fun and easy for me in the midst of this. But it was scary. We got to get out of that comfort zone in order to do that. You were insane. The lack of control. And when he's going to ask us to do something, it's going to go out of, outside of our ability. Absolutely. Which puts a dependence on who? On God. How many of you want to be dependent on God? I do want you to raise your hand. Okay, everybody in this room, you want to be dependent on God. That's really good. You can't do that in your comfort. Because what you're resting on is your laurels. You're resting on what you've accomplished. You're resting on what your ability takes you to. And that's why we get comfortable. But if you really want to have to depend on God, you're going to have to allow Holy Spirit to come in and, and challenge you and actually make you kind of step out into the things that he has for you. That's good. I'm still waiting for one. What makes us apprehensive? Yes. I believe in God. I believe in the Son. But if I believe in the Holy Spirit, I have to move. There's going to be an action piece to, to that. Absolutely. Makes us apprehensive. Yes. Okay, we got to get out of our comfort zone, got to get, and understand that this is what we're wired, that God has empowered us to do this. Here's what, you know, DJ did a, a great question last week. He actually asked people to call other giftings out of other people, and it was amazing. I almost was like, I'm going to do that again. Kim was like, no, you can't. we did that last week. Oh, okay, dang it, DJ. No, I just, um, but here's, here's the truth. We so often will see giftings in other people, and that's awesome. And here's, I want you to start calling things out of other people. Because for me, I get, much, I get so much confidence when somebody says something and they, that they see in me. I'm like, you do? Okay, well, maybe I am good at that. Inwardly, though, I already knew I was good, but I didn't want to believe it. And the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to, to do that and help one another. Church, help each other. If you see things in people, spouses, kids, other people inside the church, start calling these things out. Because sometimes we don't even know how good we are at something. You know, our tagline is, um, enjoy what we're doing. I, you know, be good at and enjoy what we're called to do. You know what? Sometimes we miss the fact that God wants to take us to greater heights in the thing that we really enjoy. Enjoy what we do in that. Okay. Yes. One. What other people might see, which gets really close to what I think. Um, an apprehensive, if we listen to the Holy Spirit, we're worried about what other people might think. Or what if I don't get empowered by the Holy Spirit? That makes us apprehensive, and we're afraid of that. Man, all of these good things that take place, I'm here to tell you, God is faithful, church. He is faithful, and he has a gifting for you. I'm going to read in just a second, just a couple places where it talks about that, and then we'll close. The one that I'm missing, though, that nobody said. I'm a little surprised, but... If I embrace the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have to speak in tongues. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, because it's real. And it's funny because when we start to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, it's amazing because it's been abused. And it's interesting because Paul talks to the church in Corinth, and he was actually talking to people who were abusing the gift, and it happens. But I want to challenge you with this. 
do not judge God, do not judge the Holy Spirit by anything that a human being has done or said. I'm going to say that again. Do not judge God, do not judge the Son, do not judge Holy Spirit based on anything that another human being has done because we're all imperfect. And though we can glean and we can be sharpened and we can get an understanding of how God wants to use us through other people, it's amazing how many times we judge God based on what we've seen somebody else do. Okay, to be baptized in Holy Spirit, and I don't have time to go into all this, doesn't mean you have to speak in tongues. Just read chapter 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians. Okay, he explains it very, very well. And don't let the apprehension of something you've heard about or you've seen hinder God's ability to come and empower you to do great things. To do great things. Church, I, man, I want to be a place where Holy Spirit is moving in this place. Where on a weekend, we have words of wisdom. You know what was really cool is we had an individual word given to somebody that was very encouraging, uplifting, and we had a corporate body word that was given. Man, I want all of those things to be happening. I want Holy Spirit to come. But more important than having it here at the service, I would love to hear stories about it happening in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your families. And I believe... God will use you to do these things. So I'm going to close by just re reading a couple of scriptures. Underneath Empower out there in the coffee bar at the hub, it says 1 Peter 4.10. And here's what that verse says. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of us should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read a little bit, um, a few more verses. Verse 3 through 8 says this. And by the way, this comes after that section that says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then verse 3 says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Okay, there's a humility that comes with letting Holy Spirit speak through us and use us and empower us. Those ongoing experiences that he wants us to have first has to come from humility. I think that's another reason people are apprehensive is because they've seen gifts used without humility. Be humble, be loving. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. How many of us make up this body? All of us, not just the pastors. I want you to hear this. It's about all of us. We need to function together as the body functions together. Then he says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, faith, by the way, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he's saying, if it's prophesy, prophesy to what you hear me tell you, is what he's saying. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it isn't to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. And if it is giving, then give generously. And if it is giving, I'm sorry. I, that was the pastor in me rolling out. No, just kidding. If it is to lead, <laughs> if it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Okay. You bring up, what if the Holy Spirit doesn't want to use